welcome to Pastor Keith and Wendy. Just want to honor you guys this morning. Uh, just uh, if I can honor you, just this church is what it is today because of what you've laid. Uh, those who don't know, there, uh, did you plant the church? You planted, you built this building. That's yeah, I knew that one. They built this building. Uh, so they served here many years, sowing, and, uh, and what we see today is uh, standing on their foundation and hard work. So it's great to have you here this morning. Well, put up your hand if you know or heard of the golden rule. All right, there's a few there. You've heard the golden rule. Keep your hand up or put your hand up if you heard of the golden rule outside of rural ranges. All right, there's a few. There's a few. The golden rule. The one rule to rule them all. <laughs> Matthew seven twelve, Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Father, I thank you for your word. And I just pray that as we gather around uh, this verse that you would uh, speak to us through your spirit. Pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I actually believe uh, this word is in my heart. Uh, for this season, for this time right now, uh, for us, this is our society, for the church, the body of Christ, uh, we're, we're seeing a division uh, across uh, our nation, across the world, and unfortunately in the church. And it's a time that we need to, as the church, stand united. And whatever your position may be on the, the virus, vaccine or unvaccine, whatever it may be, our position is to stand together in love and trust in God. That is the sign of the church. And so I want to uh, bring this message uh, before you as a message about our behavior during this time, the golden rule. There's going to be challenges, trials, valleys, but we know Matthew, um, Psalm 23, that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid because you, you, Lord, are with us. Church, let's stand together. We stand together no matter our positions, no matter what we believe in this. We stand together trusting God and are waiting for the return of the Lord. And you know what? If these are signs of the end times, then bring them on. Because that means Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Matthew 7, 12. Has been known as the golden rule since the 18th century, uh, with references going back to 1674. It's reported that an emperor before Constantine, so Constantine was the, the emperor that came in and uh, uh, made, I guess, the Roman Empire Christian. Before then, Emperor Alexander Servius during the 200s, had it written on his wall in gold. And it was his motto. The golden rule is found in the section of Scripture known as the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew 5 to 7. This sermon influences some significant people throughout history, including Gandhi. For him, he profoundly was influenced by the sermon as he established India's freedom through a non-violent revolution. Martin Luther King Jr., the American Protestant preacher who became legendary in international civil rights. He aimed to make the teachings of the sermon the basis of his political program 
and all that he did in civil disobedience. Matthew 5 to 7 is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. And it's named that because that's where Jesus delivered it. In Matthew 5, 1 and 2, one day he saw the crowds gathering. Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. The disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. Jesus often hiked up in the mountains. I love getting outdoors. There's something about getting outside, getting out of man-made creation into God's creation, just to be with him. For Matthew, Jesus' teaching is important. Uh, Matthew gathered together a collection of Jesus' teaching right throughout his gospel that will enable the church for the ages to come to carry out the most crucial component of Jesus' final commission, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The context of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' inauguration of the kingdom of heaven. And at the center of this message about the kingdom of heaven, its opening words then go on to talk about how it is the present possession in chapter 5. Then goes on to declare different levels of status for those in the kingdom. Then it announces the terms of entering in. Then the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is found in this section. Teaches the disciples that the coming of the kingdom is central. And his warning related to daily priorities of life, emphasizing seeking first the kingdom of God. And the ultimate reward for those who truly know Jesus and the will of their Father is to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Towards the end of the sermon, Jesus makes a profound statement. Not necessarily a new one, but a profound one. Do to others whatever you would have them do to you. This is the essence of what is taught in the law and the prophets. In the original Greek, the sentence starts with therefore, as translated in some other Bible translations. One thing that I was taught when studying the Bible is when I see a therefore, I need to ask, what is the therefore, therefore? Therefore points to the previous part of the sermon. The general consensus is that most scholars say it's pointing to the whole of the Sermon of the Mount. The sentence is a summarizing of everything Jesus has taught. The sentence is not only a summary of his sermon, but Jesus goes on to say it fulfills the law and the prophets. The sermon sets the scene for a new rabbi in a town teaching a new or fulfillment of the law. Some scholars suggest that with Jesus going up into the mount to teach this new law is similar to that of Moses receiving the law on Mount Sinai. John Stott, in his commentary on the Sermon on Mount, asked the question, well, is the sermon relevant today? That was 2,000 years ago. Is it still relevant today? Well, in his own response, he argues that, yes, it is. And for the following reasons, it talks about Christian character, Christian influence, Christian righteousness, Christian piety, Christian ambition, Christian relationships, Christian commitments. Stott goes on to describe the sermon as Christian counter-culture. Christian counter-culture. The essential theme of the whole Bible from the beginning to end is that God's historical purpose is to call out his people for himself. 
that this people is a holy people set apart from the world to belong to him and to obey him. And that is its vocation, is to be true to its identity, that is to be holy or different in all its outlook and behavior. The Sermon on Mount describes how God's people are to be different, to be holy and to the Lord. We are to be salt and light at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes kind of provide a a counter-understanding of what it means to be blessed at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 6, 8, he says, Don't be like them when he's talking about prayer, fasting, and giving. Their character, the, the disciples' character, was to be completely distinct from the, those admired by the world. Thus, the followers of Jesus are to be different. Different from both the nominal church and secular world. Different from the religious and the irreligious. This sermon represents a Christian counterculture. But there are several points I want to bring out about the golden rule. The first, the golden rule fulfills the law and the prophets. This is one sentence, this one line summarizes everything that is taught in the Torah, the law, and the rest of the Israel scriptures, the prophets. There's an ancient story about a a Jewish teacher, an Israelite teacher, Hillel. And he got, uh, had someone come along to him one time, a Gentile, come along to him and say, listen, if you can teach me to memorize and understand all of the law while standing on one leg, I will convert to Judaism. And Hillel, in all his wisdom, responded, do not do to others what you don't want done to yourself. That fulfills the law. The rest is mere commentary. This one sentence fulfills everything taught in the Old Testament. Jesus himself said at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't come to get rid of the law. He came to fulfill it. This new teaching teaches people that the law is not about outward actions, rather it was about inward devotion. The golden rule fulfills the law and the prophets. The golden rule is the one rule that rules them all. Matthew quotes Jesus a second time in reference to fulfilling the law in Matthew 22, 34 to 40. But when Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Loving others fulfills the entire law. How do you love others? Do to others what you would like them to do to you. The golden rule is the law of love. The principle by which Jesus epitomizes the entire human world aspect of God's law. A principle Jesus early 
earliest followers never forgot. We see in Romans chapter 13, Paul says, You will fulfill the requirements of God's law if you love your neighbor. Then he says in Galatians, For the whole law can be summarized up in this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. Then James says in 2 verse 8, Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law. Perhaps he was pointing back to this command. As found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. He references love your neighbor as yourself as the royal law, the law of love. How do you love others and fulfill the entire law? The golden rule. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. It's how we are to live. Some have uh, made some comments as how these could represent from looking at this golden rule and looking through the sermon, the new Ten Commandments. One, you will not commit verbal murder. You will make reconciliation with your fellow disciples your first religious priority. Two, you will not commit mental uh, adultery. You will deal decisively with your sinful thoughts. Three, you will not divorce except when... In uh, infidelity or abuse has occurred, you will make efforts, every effort to remain with your spouse. You will not make vows. You will always tell the truth. You will not seek personal reputu- uh, rep- re- re- uh, revenge. Get that word out. You will be generous even to those who injure you. You will not hate your enemies. You will love and pray for your persecutors. You will not perform religious duties to gain temporary human approval. You will perform your religious duties only to gain eternal divine reward. You will not be anxious over things. You will be exclusively loyal to God's kingdom and righteous standards. You will not be judgmental or naive in your estimate of fellow humans. You will examine your own life before making judgments about others. And 10, you will not avoid prayer because you doubt God's goodness. You will believe that God is good and rest in his answers to prayer. The golden rule fulfills the law. The golden rule is a higher order law. The law that is written to be on our hearts, not on a tablet. It is the law that fulfills the law and the prophets. Second, the golden rule is a verb. It's a doing word. Do to others. As mentioned earlier, the golden rule was not unique to Jesus. The idea had been around for some time. In fact, some people chase it back to Leviticus 19.18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against fellow Israelites, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Even outside Jewish history, the concept of the golden rule is found. As early as 400 BC, Hedrosius, a Christian historian, sorry, a Greek historian quotes, I will not myself do that which is blameworthy in my neighbor. Thales, a Greek philosopher, once asked, how should one live? And uh, his answer is, if we never do ourselves what we blame in others. 
The golden rule is also found in Eastern teaching. When Confucius was asked about the principal life, he replied perhaps the word reciprocity. Do not do to others what you do not want others to do to you. Although there are a few variations, many of these similar teachings are in the negative. Do not do to others. Jesus taught in the positive. Do to others. I believe there's a difference. And this has uh, convicted me as I've been thinking through this rule and, and memorizing it as a very young person. I should note that, uh, just to add here, that while many of the other translations or teachings outside of uh, Christ uh, were the negative, that's not completely the case. There were some positive uh, interpretations of that found. And also, just the fact that this verse or idea is found outside of Scripture does not make what Jesus said any less significant. In fact, for me, it makes what God is doing even more significant, that he's trying to direct and lead all of humankind into a lifestyle that he knows this is where we are meant to live. Do to others how you would want them to do to you. Jesus quotes the difference. What's the difference between the negative and the positive? Well, if I was to live the negative, I just put a bucket over my head. And I don't do anything. I can just hide. Do nothing. I don't want someone to be mean to me, so I won't be mean to them. I don't want someone to steal from me, so I won't steal from them. That's good things, but it's easy to do the negative. I can just sit with my bucket on my head and do nothing. Just stop. But Jesus said, do to others. Do to others. This involves doing. If someone wants, if, if I want someone to be nice to me, I need to be nice to them. If I'd like someone to talk to me, I should talk to others. This is the positive interpretation of the golden rule. I need to do something. If I want someone to be generous to me, I need to be generous to others. The golden rule is a verb. I remember one time when I was uh, studying and, and traveling to the United States and visiting quite a few churches over there. I would visit these churches and walk in. And as I'd walk through the door, I'd often say, g'day. And um, some picked up on my accent, others didn't. Uh, I would sit down in quite significant churches. I'd sit through the service. And nearly in every case, I visited half a dozen or so churches, in nearly every case, I had to take myself to the new person's room. And I left that experience thinking, you know what? If the church is my home and someone came into my home or even stepped on my property, <laughs> I'd be going up to say, hi, you're here. You're in my home. <laughs> I haven't seen you before in my home. I thought, how much more should that be part of how I should look at church? And I try my best. I don't get it perfect all the time, but I try my best. When I see a face I haven't seen, I want to go say hello because 
you're in my house. Welcome to my home. Welcome to my house. And I would hope that when I walk into their place, that someone would do the same to me, would greet me, would say hi. So let's be, let's be a church like that. Do to others as you'd want them to do to yourself. Paul instructed the church in Galatia in Galatians 6.10, Therefore, whenever you have the opportunity, you should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. The golden rule is a verb. The golden rule fulfills the law and the prophets. The golden rule is a verb. Next point is the golden rule is for others. Do good to others. There needs to be others. We need to be around people. The golden rule is not about self. You know, I may be the only fallen human here, but sometimes I think if I'm good to them, they'll be good back to me with the focus on the second part. If I'm good to them, they'll be good back to me. If I scratch their back, they'll, they'll end up scratching my back. Occasionally I get a niche. We've heard those stories. You know, the rich business person donates a lot of money to the council. And after a while, you know, that the council gets to do their, their projects. The rich business person comes along and starts to suggest a few things. Just, uh, this is the way we should be doing things in this uh, community. And, um, and then just kind of hint along that way, you know, oh, I just made this great suggestion. Oh, you know, remember, I donated that great, a lot of money that helped build that community center. And re- remember when I gave this money or, and we were able to do this? This hidden agenda in what some people do. That wouldn't happen in the church, would it? Just to make it clear that this rule is more about others than about ourselves, Luke actually quotes this rule as well in Luke 6, 27 to 36. And he puts it in the middle of the section where he says, and he's talking about love your enemies. Verse 27. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money to those who can repay you, you should, why should you get credit? Even sinners lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting it to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be great and you will be truly be acting as children of the most high. For he is kind to those who are unthankful. Uh, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. 
do to others as you'd like them to do to you is all about others. It's about treating others. Who are your others? Who's in your communities? Well, first and foremost, God. We can do to God what we would like God to do to us. We can love God. We all know he loves us. In fact, he did it first. Family. We can do to our family members as we'd like them to do to us, our spouse, children, extended family. Paul touches on this in Ephesians where he talks about the household code. In fact, he says there to husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. Implication there, aspect, do to them as you would to yourself. Parents, our priority is discipling our children. Be good to them. Treat our children with respect and love the same that we would expect back, how we would like to be treated. Children, obey your parents. Treat your parents the way you would like to be treated. Our church, Christians, here's our others. As I read earlier, Galatians 6, Paul says to do good, especially to those in the family of faith. This should be a starting place for us to do good. In fact, Jesus says in John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Our love for each other. When we do to others what we would like them to do to us, the others the world will see, and that will be a sign that we are his disciples. Our neighbors. Who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus answered that one. The story of the Good Samaritan. The expert of the law again tried to come along and question Jesus to try and justify himself. Who was my neighbor? So Jesus told the story about the Samaritan. A Samaritan who was despised by the Jews, who ended up helping this Jewish man who had been beaten. Jesus says at the end there, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. You know, pretty much the moral of the story of the Good Samaritan is that when you find the opportunity to do good, do good. When you find the opportunity, do good. Your neighbor could be anyone. Your neighbor could be anyone. Literally right next door to you in your property or overseas as we're sending out these uh, shoe boxes to children all over the world. They're our neighbors. But as we read in Luke as well, who else are the others? Our enemies. The golden rule should be practiced when interacting with those who don't treat us the same. The ungrateful boss, the bully at school, the manipulating colleague, the lying employee, the creepy man, the drug dealer, the prostitute, the telemarketer. Now, I'm not saying you stay in a place where you are constantly hurt, abused, or bullied. No, you can find a place of safety. But in doing so, you can still live by the golden rule. You can still treat them the way you would like them to treat you. And this includes forgiveness. We all want to be forgiven. Yes, by God. 
by each other. And perhaps that's a, something that you're struggling with right now in regards to the golden rule. Someone's done something to you and you just can't forgive them. I want to suggest to you this morning that the golden rule would teach us that if you would like forgiveness, you need to forgive. You need to forgive. Lord, I just pray right now for anyone that might be in that situation. If anyone's just harboring some unforgiveness of, of, of true hurt, abuse that, that did occur. Lord, I pray that through your grace, through your power, through your love, that you would uh, give them the ability to show forgiveness, to show love to those that hurt them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The golden rule fulfills the law and the prophets. The golden rule is a verb. The golden rule is for others. And the last thing I want to say, the golden rule establishes your worth. How you treat others is about how you want to be treated. It's about the doing, doing to others. But you do this irrespective of how they treat you, you do it first. You do it first knowing who you are in Christ. This is the starting place. Who I am in Christ, as the image of God, I will treat someone else flowing out of that. The golden rule, as it stands like that, when we stand as a starting place to go, doesn't matter how you treat me, as I begin to treat you the way I would like to be treated, makes it one of the hardest rules for us to follow. Perhaps that's why I call it the one rule to rule them all. Because when we can master that, we actually fulfill, as Jesus said, everything else that's written in the scriptures. Therefore, how do you want to be treated? Your self-worth determines how you believe you should be treated. The less we think of ourselves, we will expect less from others, which also outworks in how we treat others. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. They have a low self-worth. And so from that, they treat others the same way. The golden rule foundation is on who we are as God's creation, his image. We are the image of God. When we see ourselves as the image of God, we see others and treat them as the image of God. In doing so, we do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Craig Keener, one of my favorite New Testament scholars, writes this about the golden rule. How one treats others reveals one's character, hence one's eternal destiny. How we treat others reveals one's character, hence one's eternal destiny. Here goes on to write more. The commonness of this principle should not surprise us because it uh, because one of the most natural laws of ethics is that a person extrapolates from his or her own worth to that of others and hence values others as oneself. 
Thus, every person is morally responsible to recognize how he or she ought to treat every other person. Just in knowing who we are gives us that moral responsibility in recognizing how we should treat others. You are a person of worth to treat others the same. As I wrap this up, Musos, you're welcome to come up on stage. The golden rule is one of the most important and profound teachings Jesus taught and lived. The golden rule is the one rule to rule them all. As his disciples today, as followers today, this is something Christians more than others should have embedded into our lives, into our behavior, in our hearts, in our character. Applying the golden rule, we are fulfilling the law and the prophets. The golden rule requires action. It's a verb. It's a doing word. The golden rule is for others. It's not for me. It's for others. And the golden rule establishes your worth, who you are in Christ, who he made you to be. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. What role does the golden rule have in your life? Have you been living the negative part of this golden rule or the positive? Time to take your head out of the bucket and start living the positive. Do, do to others. Maybe you need to forgive someone. Allow God's love to flow through you in the situation that you're facing. Allow his love to give you the power to forgive. As we finish soon, I invite you just to contemplate how is the golden rule evident in your life? If there's something that you feel you need prayer with, as the musos close soon, this altar will be open. And myself or some of our leaders will, would love to pray with you. But before we close, I just would like to know if there's someone here who doesn't know Jesus, the Jesus who I've been teaching about here, who quoted these words, do to others as you would like them to do to you. quite easy to uh, receive Jesus, follow Jesus. We just need to believe. Believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He came down, lived on this earth, died on a cross, rose again on the third day and ascended into heaven to be with the Father and is coming back again soon. Then we repent from our sin. We were going our own way we turn around from our sinful life and choose to go the way of Jesus. And in turning around and repenting, we decide to say, I accept Jesus as my Lord, as my leader, and I choose to follow him. So let's have every eye closed, please, heads bowed just at this moment. If you're here this morning and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, and you'd like to this morning say, Dean, there's something 
that you've said that resonates with me this morning. And I'd like to accept Jesus this morning. While eyes are closed and heads are bowed, if someone's here, would you just lift your hand up so I can see you and we can pray with you? Anyone here this morning? Lord, I thank you for your church. I thank you that you love us. I thank you for your teaching, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just pray you would help us to live this golden rule each and every day in the good moments and the challenging times. Lord, I pray you would help us to do to others whatever you would like them, whatever we would like them to do to us. Help us by your Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name.